Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast. The podcast is coming to you a little bit late, we missed a week essentially, and I hope that you forgive me, um, and maybe you'll get to this week, maybe, um, it depends on um, my availability, but yeah, I missed last week, I was just busy um, and tired and you know I took a little bit of time to myself, but we're back again, once again, better than ever. Um, and I guess I wanted to start off with a talk about the podcast, like some pod updates. Because on my last episode, I mentioned switching how I host the podcast. Because right now I'm hosting on JustCast. And I was thinking about switching to Anchor because Anchor is free, JustCast is not. Um, What I didn't realize at the time, which I realize now, is that the Dropbox account that I use, because JustCast works by porting over your Dropbox folder to the hosting site, right? But my Dropbox that I use for um, my podcast is almost full and I'd have to pay more money to get more space on my Dropbox. I don't know exactly how much money it is, but I know JustCast is $50 a year, right? Or you could play $5 a month, which adds up to $60 a year. Um, but I don't know how much Dropbox costs, but it would be another expense to provide something that I don't get paid for. And I'm fine not getting paid for my podcast. That's fine. Like, I don't get paid to do YouTube videos. I don't get paid to do any of this shit. It's fine. I don't expect to get paid for it. But, like, my rationality when it comes to, like, making YouTube videos and making podcasts is that until I make money from it, if I ever do make money for from it, like, I'm not going to in- invest a lot of money in it until it starts being profitable for me not that i want to have the worst quality in the world that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that i have you know good enough quality with the materials that i have but investing money into something that isn't really going to help me financially doesn't make too much sense to me like if i was making money on the podcast on my youtube videos if i was coming in you know with a check it doesn't have to be a big check but if i was getting like like $50 a month off of this hobby, essentially, then I would start putting money into it. But because I'm not like I haven't, you know, bought a new microphone or a new camera or anything like that. If I was like actually getting money from this, I'd probably like actually film it. Like whenever I, you know, you know, film a YouTube video, I always try to look presentable. But when I'm filming a podcast, that's where I can, you know, wear shorts and socks and um, just wear a t-shirt or anything like that. But on JustCast, I did not realize that I had listeners on JustCast. Because to give you a look behind the scenes, like I have viewers or I have listeners like data from wherever I um, upload the podcast. And on CastBox, castbox, uh, castbox.fm, I believe, I have no viewers or no listeners on CastBox. Like, 
when it comes to CastBox, like no one is listening to me on CastBox. That's just how it is. I upload it there just in case someone finds it there, but no one's listening on CastBox. On YouTube, like I know, and I've known this ever since I started making the podcast, that uploading the podcast is going to fuck up my watch time. Because what YouTube does, it benefits likes, comments, but also how long that people watch. So if people watch your entire video, it helps you in the long run rather than someone watching 30 seconds of a video. And I knew that because I'm not filming this, like I'm just putting the audio on YouTube, I knew it was going to fuck up my watch time. Like I knew that for a fact. And I knew that it was like not helping me to put my podcast on YouTube. But I figured that if someone finds it, and they like it, they'll listen to it. And whenever I upload the podcast, I always put the links to where you can listen to it elsewhere because YouTube isn't the most convenient place to um, post or to listen to podcasts, especially if you're not paying for that shit because I know I don't pay for YouTube. So it's not the most convenient medium to listen to podcasts, but it is there um, if you ever want to, to listen. Um, but... On JustCast, JustCast, I have actual viewers and actual downloaders and actual like new people coming in. And I did not know. I wasn't looking at my JustCast analytics. Like I look at my YouTube analytics. I looked at my CastBox analytics, um, my Spotify analytics now that I've uploaded on Spotify. Um, but I hadn't been looking at my JustCast um, analytics and I've been getting um, more subscribers. I have subscribers on, on JustCast. I have downloads. Um, people have been downloading my shit, which is crazy because like, I truly did not think that that many people consistently listened. I know on Apple Podcasts, I have like 4.5 out of 5 um, stars, but I don't think people consistently listen because it's not like whenever I go on the Apple Podcasts, right? It doesn't give me enough data that really is substantial. And I wasn't expecting like a lot of people to listen to someone who doesn't have any type of platform. Like I've said this from the beginning, like if you don't have a platform and you're inconsistent, like I've been inconsistent with this podcast historically, like my podcast has been um, like when I started, I started off pretty strong and then I fell off for a long time. And now I'm back pretty strong, even though I lost a week. But if you're not consistent and you don't have a platform, you're going to struggle. Like when I like if you want to actually like make strides in this online content creation type of world, at least from my philosophy, it's always been it has to be daily. You have to do things somewhat daily or as daily as possible like you have to upload youtube videos consistently you have to do podcasts consistently you have to do whatever you're doing consistently in order to make an impact and um i was like okay my podcast you know it fell off i don't think people are really going to listen to it but i'm going to start it back up again because the whole time i stopped doing my podcast like I was just really busy. Like I wanted to, you know, record a podcast. I just couldn't make the time. I was really tired and I really couldn't just make the podcast the way I wanted it to. Um, 
and I have water here as I typically do. Um, so if you hear me sipping, I, I apologize. Um, but I was just shocked to see how many listeners I actually had on JustCast. I don't know if people are listening on JustCast, the website itself, or if it's just aggregating from everywhere the RSS feed is. But I do have listeners, which honestly makes me feel very um, appreciated. And I, I appreciate every single listener. Like if you listen to me talk about bullshit for however long I talk about it, I I really do appreciate you. Um, I really do thank you. And I hope that you listen. And I hope that you give me feedback if possible. Um, I hope that you find some type of enjoyment in this because really I, I like doing this. I think that it's getting better. I think that the podcast is becoming a better product. Um, I've been going longer. Like my first podcast for like 30 minutes. I've been going longer. I did cut out a segment that I thought was pretty fun, which was um, the fake advertisement where I would you know make a fake advertisement from whatever company that typically advertises on podcasts. I haven't done that recently just because I've been filling all that time and I felt like it was something that I was, it's creatively fulfilling, but it's something that I didn't need to do. Um, maybe I'll bring that back for later episodes. Um, or maybe if I get real ads, I'll just do real ads. Um, I don't know, but I decided to cut that segment out just because um, I it was it was too much and I didn't feel like it added too much to the podcast. It was kind of funny, um, but sometimes it was better than other times. So I feel like it needs to take more um, prep time for the, the fake ad. Um, but maybe we'll bring that back. I don't know. Um, but thank you for listening. I truly, truly appreciate every single listen, every click, every follow, every subscription, anything like that. Um, and if you're listening on CastBox, you are the only one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's just really cool to see that people are listening. And you never know who's listening or who's watching. Like I learned earlier, about a week ago now, um, and I think on the day of recording, the thing that I might be in airs today. Um, but, and I can't really mention it yet because it hasn't aired yet at the time of recording, but a media company that you are familiar with, a very popular media company, reached out to me to film a video spot for them to use in their program. And it was, you know, it's something that I did for free. It's something that only took a few minutes of my time. But they reached out to me responding to a video that I made almost a year ago. Um, and the video only had like 30 or so views, which is nowhere near my most popular video. But it was like, okay, people are watching. You never know who's going to watch. Like sometimes, like if you're smaller like me, or I wouldn't even say smaller. I would say like the smallest of the small, right? Like you sometimes you get into the thing is like, okay, I'm making these videos. No one's watching, but it's fine. Like it's okay that no one's watching because this is just for me, right? But people are watching and a company that you know wants me to be in their like media spot. I don't know exactly where it's going to be. I think it might be online, like on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, somewhere there. Um, it might be on TV. It might be. 
I'm not sure if it will be on TV, but it might be on TV, but I think it's an online thing. Um, but the contract that I did sign said I can't really talk about what I did, but it was like, oh, like I'm going to be on a major network's program, whether it's online or on television or whatever, I'm going to be there. So maybe you'll see me. I mean, I don't think everyone knows what I look like, even though my face is in the artwork, but um, people are going to see me. I wonder, like, now I'm like, are my friends going to see me? I feel like probably not, but I feel like my friend might see me and then, like, mention me on Twitter or something. But that's, you know, you never know who's watching is basically what I want to say. But thank you to everyone. Um... And I wanted to get into, you know, the actual meat of the podcast. Um, I've seen a lot of shit on Twitter in the week that I've been gone. And one thing that's been pretty interesting is I've been seeing a large uptick in nudity on Twitter. And I know I talked about porn the last episode. If you don't like porn, I apologize. But I'm actually looking at the data right now. And I'm seeing the downloads and I'm seeing the listens and y'all have been listening. My downloads went up. So um, y'all have been listening. Um, But I've been seeing a lot of female nudity. I haven't seen any penises lately, but I've seen a lot of female nudity on Twitter. Um, The first was like, um, it was like a woman on a roller coaster and she took off her top on the roller coaster, exposing her boobs on a roller coaster at Six Flags. Um, I'm assuming it's Magic Mountain. That seems like the most apt place to take off your shirt. Um, I actually live like 15 minutes away from Six Flags. Um, And I can't imagine anyone at my local Six Flags um, taking off the shirt, mostly because my Six Flags also is like kind of a zoo and there's lots of animals and I don't think people see animals and have the urge to just be topless. But that was the first one I saw. And then there was one where it was like a prank, a quote-unquote prank, where men were walking in the elevator, and then the woman would take off her shirt, and she would show her boobs to these unsuspecting men on the elevator. And it was like kind of awkward, and it was labeled as a prank, but it wasn't really a prank. It was just showing people her boobs. And then there's this new trend I don't, I think it's called like the butthole challenge or something, but it's like women naked are running into a camera and like jumping at an angle. So it looks like you're going straight into their butthole or vagina. Like think of it as like a reverse birth, right? So the woman is running naked. She jumps, she spreads her legs and then the vagina goes into the camera and it looks like you're going into the vagina or the butthole or however they angle it. And a lot of people were saying in response to this, like, there's jokes and it's all funny. And I'm not offended by this. I want you to know that I'm not offended by this. I'm not saying this to say, you know, don't do this. I'm saying that this is just what I've been seeing. (laughs) And um, when this happened, or like when this has been happening, a lot of people are talking about like the free the nipple movement and stuff like that. Women should be able to do this because of the free the nipple movement. And... I've had this opinion of free the nipple for a while, but I'm skeptical of people who support the free the nipple movement who are men. Because 
I don't know about you, but it seems like to me, like when women are supporting the free the nipple movement, whether this is regardless of their sexuality, when women are supporting the free the nipple movement, they're talking about equality, whether they're attracted to women, attracted to boobs or not. They're talking about equality when they're talking about free the nipple, right? And free the nipple, if you're not um, initiated, free the nipple is basically saying that men don't have to be like they when they're topless, they're not judged. Women have wear bras and they're restrictive and women shouldn't have to, you know, hide their nipples because nipples are just part of human anatomy, essentially. Right. And when men support free the nipple, to me. It comes off as saying, you just want to see boobs. You just want to see naked women, so you're supporting this freedom nipple movement. It comes off as much more perverted than when a woman says, free the nipple. And I don't know if other people feel that way when they see men supporting free the nipple, but that's how I feel. So, like, for me, when I see, you know, the free the nipple movement... Like, I've never, I don't think I've publicly, like, said I support Free the Nipple movement. Not because I don't support it. I just feel like from my perspective, coming from a straight male, if I say Free the Nipple, you're going to just think I'm a pervert and that I just want to see boobs. Because that's what, like, from the opposite perspective, that's how I see it when men do that. So I just don't do that. Not because I think freeing the nipple is bad, but, you know, it just doesn't seem like absolutely um, proper for me to proclaim free the nipple. Um, but it's there's been a lot of nudity on Twitter lately, more than usual. Because Twitter is weird. Like, you'll see like regular shit on Twitter and then every so often you'll see a vagina or a penis or an asshole um, and that's just like the the law of the land. Like Twitter is like one of the last bastions of social media that still allows nudity. Um, so I guess it's, if it ever goes away, there's going to be a riot probably. Oh God. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yawned, uh, came out out of nowhere. I apologize. I haven't burped yet. We're almost, you know, some time in. I haven't burped yet, which is promising. But I just yawned out of nowhere. I apologize. Um, but yeah, I've like social media, like in my time off from podcasting, I've just been, you know, scrolling Twitter and shit. <clears throat> and there's a burp. Who would have known? Um, but I saw a couple of things on Twitter and on the social media as well. Um, a lot of it was about baseball. Like first, I want to say before I get into this other baseball story. I want to say congratulations to Vanderbilt's Kumar Rocker. By this time, it's old news, but Vanderbilt's Kumar Rocker in the College World Series, which is like the March Madness of college baseball. Kumar Rocker, a freshman, threw a no-hitter with 19 strikeouts, and I caught the end of that game. Like, I was watching TV. I switched over the College World Series just for the fuck of it, and I saw the end of Kumar Rocker's uh, no-hitter. And I think it was a near-perfect game. Like, the only reason he allowed a base runner was because of an error, I'm pretty sure. But I want to say congratulations to that dude because Kumar Rocker is black. 
and the best pitcher in college baseball right now. And I remember hearing about Kumar Rocker a few weeks ago because um, Suspetus Barbecue, which is a Twitter account, was talking about him, saying how he might be like a number one pick one day. And I caught the end of that game. I'm like, yes, one of the best pitchers in college baseball is a black dude. Representation fucking matters. And I was just like, yes, yes, yes. It was just so, and he had like no emotion when he was like he like Kawhi Leonard did it when he when he struck out the last guy, but his curveball, his slider were insane. Like I like I watch a good amount of Major League Baseball, and I haven't seen a consistently good slider like that in the big leagues in a long time. Like it was like the fucking masterful pitching performance, and I just want to congratulate that dude. Um, but I also wanted to talk about um, baseball and emotion in baseball. Because if you know or don't know, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. That's my team. I support them, all that stuff. And about a week ago, Madison Bumgarner, who's the ace of the squad, our best pitcher, he got upset because Max Muncy of the Dodgers hit a home run off of him. And Max Muncy, he kind of looked at the home run a little bit too long. Madison Bumgarner, or Mad Bum as we call him, he said, you know, something along the lines of don't watch the ball run. Muncy barked back saying, if you don't like it, go get the ball out of the ocean, which doesn't make sense. Like that response doesn't make sense if you think about it for like five seconds, but whatever. That's not the point here. And then, you know, they had a little bit of argument and everything subsided, right? And baseball has been doing this thing called let the kids play, which basically is saying that if you hit a home run and you celebrate, you flip your bat, that shouldn't be punished. It should be celebrated. And I agree with that. I I do think that the let the kids play is a little bit racialized, as in like the kids are predominantly players of color and the adults are pre- predominantly white people. But that's an issue that is more complicated it might be a reach but that's just how i see it sometimes like the black brown and asian people are the kids the white people are the adults but that's not really what i'm saying because in this case because max muncie is white madison bumgarner is white um but max muncie and madison bumgarner they had a little bit of an argument and that was it right the game went on blah 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 And people were taking Muncy's side saying that, you know, emotion is good in baseball. We need celebrations. And for me, and Madison Bumgarner said this later, and people did agree with Bumgarner in the end, or like they agreed more with him in the end. You can't have one-sided emotion in baseball. I feel like baseball is trying to modernize. And they're trying to modernize in a way that celebrates you know, the next generation, trying to make the game, you know, more appealing to the next generation, more fun for the next generation. So what they've done is they've celebrated backflips. They celebrated the celebrations after home runs, after winning games that typically has been kind of frowned upon and could get you like, um, you know, in trouble or start a fight, stuff like that, right? They've been doing that and... It's been, you know, I see where they're coming from. And I see where people are coming from when they're, you know, using this motto, let the kids play. But what 
doesn't make sense is you're allowing the batter to have, you know, more emotion where we're celebrating the celebrator, but then we're asking the pitchers to, you know, shrivel up and die, basically. Like, we're asking the pitchers become, like, a shell of themselves, and we're asking the pitchers not to show emotion. If a pitcher barks at a batter, if, like, they, we talk trash to a batter, that's perfectly fine to me. I like bat flips. I like talking shit. I like shit talking. I think sportsmanship, in a lot of ways, is overblown and overrated. So I'm fine with Madison Bumgarner, you know, yelling at a guy, and I'm fine with a bat flip, and I'm fine with a bat flipper yelling back, right? Like, it's all emotion. Like, I feel like what people are saying is that the pitcher can't show any emotion, which is not realistic in the slightest. You're asking a pitcher to give up a home run. If they give up a home run just to be, you know, completely, you know, idiotic about it. I don't know what the right word is. Like, have them be, like, petrified for a second after they give up a home run. But everyone expresses emotion in their own ways. And yes, it's celebration, but it's also being upset. It's also, you know, throwing your glove at the ground. And there are, you know, anger emotions that are acceptable. Like, baseball players break their bats all the time. They punch water coolers all the time. That stuff's acceptable. But, like, yelling at another person isn't acceptable somehow? I don't get it. And Madison Bumgarner was like, look, bat flipping is them. I like to yell at bat flippers. I don't like bat flipping. That's me. So if you're going to let them, you have to let me. And I think that that set, you know, summarizes it perfectly, right? Because I do think that sportsmanship is overrated. Like, that's why we, we need the people who bark at people. We need people like Draymond Green, for example, in basketball. Brad Marchand, for example, in uh, hockey. Um, Antonio Brown in football. We need those people to make the game more interesting. Like, if you're just going to be a doormat, then it's not interesting. You're not a compelling person. You're not a compelling character in the story. So it makes sense that we allow everyone to show all the emotion. In the Bumgarner Muncie situation, and again, this is old news by this point. I'm sorry for being late, but not really. But this whole situation was the best case scenario because Madison Bumgarner, he didn't throw at him. He didn't hit him with a ball. He didn't, you know, put him on first base. No one actually got ejected or suspended. So it's fine. And I will say that, like, my view on this has changed a little bit. It kind of sounds like it hasn't, but it has because growing up playing baseball, you know, you're in your little league team, you're playing, you're taught, you know, about, you know, if someone disrespects you next time up, you know, you throw at them, you know, you hit them with the ball. And I'm not here for that anymore, but I can't lie and say like, I wasn't here for it at one point. I was growing up. I was like, yeah, that's what you do. Like if you have beef with someone, you throw the ball at them. If you're a pitcher, like that's fine. Um... And I would say, like, up until relatively recently, I was cool with it. But I'm not here for, you know, intentionally throwing batters or throwing balls at batters anymore. But I am here for more emotion. And I am here for people fighting. And I am here for people shit talking. Like, I'm perfectly okay with that. And I feel like we expect people, we expect people at one time to show emotion and care about the game. And then at the same time, we expect them to be like, 
perfect little Queen of England children and just be polite all the time. Like that's you can't have both all the time. Emotions are going to fly. People are going to get mad and people are going to argue. That's where I think hockey gets it right. Like in hockey, they let people fight because, you know, they love the game. And, you know, sometimes when you love the game, you need to punch somebody. And again, like the sports that allow fighting, like once you look like you have to look at the demographics and then it becomes rather interesting because hockey allows fighting, largely a white sport. Baseball doesn't allow fighting, but the social media will promote the fight. <laughs> um, and then there's like places like the NFL and NBA, which want to separate themselves specifically from fighting. And it's like one like the more white you get, the more allowed fighting is. And I'm not trying to make everything about race, but it, you just look at the demographics and then look at the fights. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But yeah, I do think that emotion is good. Sportsmanship is overrated, though. I do believe, like truly, like we don't like. It's okay to teach kids like sportsmanship and manners and all that stuff, but it is overrated. Like, you don't need to be hunky-dory. You don't need to, you know, politely clap hands all the time. You can get, you know, get a little nasty with it. It's fine. Get a little nasty. Get a little feisty. You know, that fire inside you. It's fine. We need the fire inside you. And then, you know, if you punch someone, I'm not saying I agree with punching someone all the time, but sometimes you need to punch somebody. Um, Yeah, it's just how it is. And while I'm talking about sports, I guess I have to talk about the NBA Finals um, and the trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers that happened. But if you know, I live in the Bay Area, Warriors fan, born and raised in the Bay Area. And I kind of knew that the Warriors were going to lose. And I'm not so upset that the Warriors lost. I'm upset that that's how Oracle went out, right? Clay Thompson got hurt. They almost won, but they didn't. If they had like two more minutes of Clay Thompson, they probably could have won that game, I would say. But they lost. And yeah, I'm happy for the guys on the Raptors. Like the Raptors, I don't think have a single guy that I dislike. I'm happy for that. I'm just ha- I'm just upset that Oracle Arena in Oakland is, you know, no more, right? Um, and I know it sucks that Clay Thompson got hurt. Kevin Durant got hurt at the same time, essentially. Um, and they're both going to lose a lot of time. Um, Clay Thompson, I think will be back, but it's just like, whenever I see injuries like that, cause I played sports very mediocrely growing up, but like you get stronger, right? You play sports, you get stronger, you know, your arms get stronger, your legs get stronger, your core gets stronger. But what doesn't get stronger are those ligaments and those tendons. Like, Clay Thompson tore his ACL. Like, that's not a muscle. That's like a connective tissue and shit. And Kevin Durant with his calf and then his Achilles. Like, that's not a muscle. That's like the the Achilles is a tendon. Like, that shit doesn't get stronger. And it makes me wonder, like, how far are sports going to go before, like, sports are just completely hazardous? Like, how strong can you get? to where your tendons can't handle your body. Because I think that's what this is, is like you compete at the highest level, but your body can only go so far. 
And that's when, you know, your knees fuck up, your Achilles fucks up. I mean, my dad played college football and his knees are fucked up. I played amateur baseball for years and my knees are starting to feel it. My hip is fucked up. Like, all that connective tissue just, it just can't get stronger than it already is. You can make everything else stronger. You make your body, your mind stronger. But those ligaments are fucked up. And I, I do really feel bad for Kevin Durant also. And I feel like this has like kind of made Kevin Durant more popular. But at the same time, it's like Kevin Durant is like he was hated for a long time. And I still think that people don't necessarily like him, but he is more popular now. But it also makes me wonder, like, what did he tell the team doctors? Because he hurt his calf. He injured his calf. And then a lot of people said he was like faking the injury or he couldn't play. And then he tore his Achilles The calf and Achilles are not that far apart from each other. It makes me feel like, and I'm not a doctor, nothing I'm about to say is rooted in science, but because your calf is fucked up, your Achilles was working overtime, and then you played on it when you weren't supposed to, and then you tore your Achilles. That's what it seems like to me. It makes me wonder, like you have to hold the doctors accountable at some point, right? And it makes me wonder, like, what Kevin Durant told the doctors or if what he tells the doctors even matters, right? Because, like, when you go to the doctor as a normal person, like, you tell them what's wrong. You might lie. You might not lie. Who knows, right? But I feel like if you're in the NBA, like, you're telling the doctors whatever. You can lie or whatever. But they're doing thorough tests regardless of what you tell them or not. And I wonder, like... I feel like the doctors like try to rush and I feel like you can't have like impartial doctors that work for a team. Like if you're the Warriors doctor, you're having the Warriors interests in mind. And if the Warriors need Kevin Durant to play, the doctor's best interest is to make Kevin Durant play, right? And then he played and he injured himself and he's out for the whole next season, which is really just tragic. And it's kind of similar to Kawhi Leonard, because if you remember, Kawhi Leonard sat out for the majority of the year with the Spurs before he was traded to Toronto. And Kawhi Leonard is known as someone who doesn't talk very much. So it makes me wonder if he like didn't talk to the doctors at all and his type of injury like wasn't easily detectable through tests. So because he wasn't talking to the doctor in any capacity really he probably like wasn't talking that much like they they thought he could play but he knew he couldn't play he just wasn't talking that much and then they shipped him to toronto and look what happened but yeah Kawhi is interesting man like Kawhi, like he's been like more talkative since he's won the championship like i've seen clips of Kawhi, like being more animated more expressed because really Kawhi is more reserved And I think a lot of us have a Kawhi Leonard type personality. We're just not famous and people don't expect us to talk to the media like that. But um, yeah, it was like it's interesting to see like how he's switching up now that he's won a championship again. He's a little bit more animated in the videos that I've seen. But um, it's just like I feel like not very many people actually know Kawhi. I feel like maybe his family knows Kawhi, like his close relatives. Kawhi has kids. I didn't even know that. He has a whole daughter. 
<laughs> I didn't even know, like, you see a guy like Kawhi and how he acts, and you think that he doesn't fuck, but Kawhi fucks. Um, he's from the Inland Empire, so I should have assumed that he fucks. But um, it's interesting to see, like, the media's reaction to him. I feel like no, only a few people know him. Like, I think maybe 10 or less people actually know Kawhi. And the rest of the people for Kawhi, he's just like, I don't need to express my full self to you. You don't deserve 100% of me. You just get basketball me. Kevin Durant is kind of similar, but Kevin Durant likes to talk more. Like Kevin Durant, he wants to talk about basketball, but Kevin Durant is concerned about his social media presence and what people are saying about him. If Kawhi is concerned about social media, he's not doing it right because he doesn't tweet or Instagram or anything like that. But yeah, it's good for the Raptors in the end. I'm not mad that the Raptors won. I just am going to miss Oracle, even though like I vaguely remember going to a Warriors game back when they still had the the old blue and orange colors. I vaguely remember that, but I'm not sure if that was an actual game. Other than that, I haven't been to a basketball game. Like, I haven't been to an NBA game. So, maybe, you know, I'll, like, Warriors tickets are expensive and they're going to be expensive in San Francisco. But I can pop over to Sacramento and and get some Kings tickets and, yeah, see the Kings play. But, yeah, I think I might go to an NBA game in the near future. Because I like basketball. I like sports in general. So, I should go, probably, and see what that experience is like. Um but yeah, I'm good for the Raptors in the long run. Um but anyway, I talked a little bit about social media, but social media, I have to give you an update about the girl I have a crush on. And the update is she didn't watch my story the other day. I'm not sure if she was just busy, but I'm not tripping too hard about it, but I posted a story last night at the time of recording it, and it was like a really long story. And I was like, she's not going to watch this. She doesn't like me that much. If she does watch it, then we're in business. But the girl that I have a crush on, as of recording this, excuse me, has not watched my Instagram story. But I feel like, like we have a little bit of connection. Like she watched it, like a lot of times she'll watch my story like soon after I post it which is a good sign because that means that I'm high on her algorithm because she's high on my algorithm. But I posted a story and I woke up and I was like, damn, she's not going to watch my bullshit. It's too long. She doesn't like me that much. She's not, she's not checking for me like that. But if she does, then hey, good. But also, I don't know if this has happened to you, but it's happened to other people. People on Instagram have been getting flooded with bots from Russia. Like, for me, like right now, my Instagram story is like anywhere from 60 to 80% Russian bots. And I don't know how to stop it other than going private on my Instagram, but a lot of Russian bots have just been flooding my story. And it's like, why me? Why are they you know, tar- targeting me, right? Why are all these bots viewing my story? Because it's like the people who normally view my story have been replaced by a bot. And I feel like it's fucking up the Instagram algorithm. I don't know exactly how Instagram's algorithm works. But what I think it does is that you get 
you get a set amount of views. Like an average amount of views, Instagram will allow you to get an average amount of views. And after that, it's just like luck if you get more than that. <laughs> That's what I think. I think based on like your activity and your followers, you're, you get an average amount of views that they recommend. Like they'll recommend you to the average amount of people. And after that, like if people do some digging, they'll find you. And for me, I feel like once you get those bots, because I've been getting a lot of Russian bots, like it fills up my average rather quickly. So I'm not getting recommended to my friends anymore because all these bots fucked up my, my average, right? And I'm okay with like strangers watching my story. My account is not private. I'm okay with people I don't know watching my shit. I just don't like robots watching my shit. Because are you going to hack my information? Are you going to, you know, steal my account? Like, what are you trying to do? Um, I guess, like, the biggest solution is to go private or to just block them. But it was like, it was literally like 60 Russian bots, like six zero that were watching my story. And then Instagram shut down for a minute. Like, it went down. And when it came back up, I had like 30 Russian bots. And sometimes they get deleted like on the spot, but um, let it's either block every bot that I see, or I make my account private, or I start using the close friends features on Instagram. The good news is, is even though the bots have been fucking up my story, the girl I like has still been watching them pretty consistently, so that's good. But um. What, like, it just makes me feel, like, a little bit uncomfortable that all these bots are watching my story. And I did a little bit of research, and I think, like, in influencers in Russia, like, they're using view bots to boost your story. And then once you look into your story, you'll see that an influencer among the bots watch your story. And then you go to that influencer's profile. I think that's a strategy they're using out in Russia. I'm not confirming that. That's just what I read. But if that's the case, then fuck off. Like, I don't need you. And you don't need me. I live in, like, Solano County, California. You don't need me following your Instagram story. But it was. it's just, you know, it's just a mess. But I was thinking about going private. Like, I've never considered going private on my social media because... I feel like going private, like, ruins the fun of it. Like, you you don't get as many people to see you, not as many people like your shit. And the whole point of Instagram and Twitter is to, you know, have people like your shit, right? And view your shit. So I never saw the purpose of going private. But I was actually considering going private because of all these Russian bots. And... I remember listening to a podcast a long time ago, and I actually follow this person on Instagram now, but, and I don't even remember what the podcast was called, but this girl, this woman, she was a comedian, or is, and she sold nudes, and I had no idea she sold nudes. I knew that she was a comedian. I followed her on Twitter, and like, she was making jokes and all that stuff. I knew she was a comedian. I didn't know that she was selling naked pictures of herself. And she said that, she has a private Instagram. Her Instagram is not public, but she still makes a lot of money and she still gets views. And because her Instagram is private, 
she can post like promotions from her nudes like edited like it still follows instagram's terms of service the promotions don't have actual nudity in it but she has um you know promotions on instagram for people to follow and i think she admitted that if she wasn't private she could probably um have more followers but her instagram would probably get deleted because of those promos on her story and it's like okay people are thriving with private instagrams and then i had to follow the private instagram and i followed her and she does you know post a lot of naked picture promos and like oh this is you know this is kind of lucrative um and she i side note side note side note side note People who have private Snapchats still, like premium Snapchats, why are you still doing that? I feel like, and I'm not an expert in this field, but it seems like to me, like the actual sites that are for porn, like OnlyFans, ManyVids, I see these promos a lot. On those sites seem more secure and they're actually for porn. Why are you going on Snapchat and risking your profile being deleted when you can make an OnlyFans or a many vids. That doesn't make any sense to me. Although personally, I do think that Snapchat should um, embrace the porn and make like a porn-esque site. I think that would save their company. But um, anyway, I just, it was just interesting to see people who have private or public Instagrams thrive. Um, Cause I always thought that once you go private, you can't thrive anymore. But people are thriving and making money. Like, she's an influencer with a private account. That's crazy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just always thought that privating was the end of the world. But maybe it isn't. I don't know. Because, like, truthfully, like, nowadays, like, I remember growing up. Like, because Twitter came about when I was, like, really young, like, ninth grade. Everyone had a private account except for me. I remember. And I was just like, fuck it, I don't want a private account. And now a lot of people aren't private anymore. But now, like, in 2019, I don't really fuck with people with private accounts because, like, it feels weird asking for permission to follow if I, like, didn't confirm in person. If I talk to you in person and you have a private Twitter account and then we go from there, that's fine. But I'm not going to randomly follow a private Twitter account just because I feel like it's kind of weird. Um, same thing for, like, Instagram to an extent. But, yeah, it's just, you know, private Instagrams rule the world, apparently. Or maybe that might be the way to go. But who knows? Um, but the last thing I want to talk about before we get into the, the podcast review is more social media stuff. Mostly how you move on social media. Because recently, I had an interaction and I'm debating not telling this, but I'm going to tell it just because I think it's interesting. But I had this interaction with a person who doesn't like the same sports teams I do. So I'm a Giants fan, as I've already said. And I was responding to the Giants on Twitter because recently they won like three or four games in a row. So I was kind of happy. And I tweeted my support, right? I was replying to a tweet that the Giants sent. I don't remember what it was. But this person whose profile picture was like the Oakland Athletics, but instead of athletics, it said atheists. And I have no problem if you're an atheist. That's not what this is about. 
just painting the picture. His at was Cumberland underscore G, and I have a perfectly fine saying his at because his profile is public. I don't give a fuck. And he tweeted some nasty shit about the Giants, and I was like, whatever. I sent a gif of being like, whatever, and it was fine. And then I tweeted at the Giants again, and he replied to me again. And then I tweeted at the Giants again, and he replied to me again. All the time saying about how much he doesn't like the Giants. So I went to his profile, and I looked down. Basically, most of his tweets were replying to Giants fans who weren't even talking to him. People who were Giants fans replying to the Giants Twitter account and then trying to make fun of the Giants. And that was like the majority of his profile. And once I saw that, I knew that I don't like this person. And I, like, I didn't engage with him like in any sports talk. Here's, I just said, look, I don't like you. It has nothing to do with the fact that you don't like the Giants. It has everything to do with your attitude and personality. Please do some self-reflection. That's like a paraphrasing of what I said. And I was just like telling him how much I don't like him. That, you know, the way you move on social media is suspect. Because I understand like not liking a team. Like I don't like the Dodgers. So if the opportunity comes up, I might make fun of the Dodgers. But I'm not spending my entire Twitter experience following Giants accounts, like not just the official Giants account, but like Giants fans accounts and talking shit to them based on their accounts and talking shit to strangers all day. To me, you either don't have a busy schedule or, you know, you're a bad person or you need, you know, something better to do. And I just made him let him know that I do not like you. I think you are a bad person. (laughs) And I don't think I'm in the wrong here because, you know, I'm not like spending my day just trolling random people on the Internet. But like, I feel like if I see you move that way, like move in a way that's like not constructive in the slightest. Like if you spend your entire day dedicated to the team you don't like instead of, you know, something more positive. It doesn't even have to be, you know, sports related, but. What if you spent your whole day, you know, supporting your team instead of trying to insult another team? Maybe that would work. Um, Like maybe you can, you know, do something productive. Like for me, it's like because I saw you do that, that lets me know the way you move on social media lets me know that you are a bad person. And honestly, like sometimes that's off base a little bit. Like sometimes it's off base to say that... um, you know, social media is a reflection of how you actually are. But I feel like there are some instances where the way you move is an interesting look into your actual real life. Like it's behavior, even if it is online behavior, it's still not something to just brush off. It could be, you know, your real life behavior. And in this instance, I saw this, you know, 100% negative behavior like seeking out Giants fans and Giants fans accounts just to troll them and just to say that, you know, the Giants are bad or whatever you want to say. Like, basically, it says to me that you have some issues and I don't want to be around a person like that. And yeah, sometimes things aren't meant to be taken seriously. Some things are jokes. I tweet jokes all the time. I'm not serious on Twitter almost ever. But, um... I do think that, you know, it is an insight to how you move in real life and how you move on social media. 
And I just want to say, just look out for people who spend all their time being negative on social media. Because, you know, maybe that isn't someone you want to hang out with in real life. That's all I'm saying, really, at the end of the day. But I made sure to let him know that he is a bad person and that I don't like him. And, like, basically all my replies were, I don't like you. Like, he kept on responding and I was essentially like, I don't like you. And then eventually he stopped replying. But... I don't know. I just, I feel like it was just weird behavior. And like, sometimes I see that behavior, like suspect behavior. And I'm like, okay, that's not a person I want to be around, even though I don't know them. If I ever do come in contact with that person, I know how you move on social media and I don't want to be around you. Anyway. All right. I was, I did say that was going to be the last thing, but I do feel some responsibility um, now that I know that I have listeners to talk about Sudan, um, and I, I'm kind of laughing while I'm saying that, but Sudan is important. If you don't know, Sudan is going through an incredible crisis and they do need help. I don't know how much help I can provide, but what I want to say about this is that human crises have become a meme. Like we're changing our profile pictures blue for Sudan. We're talking about Sudan, but I feel like crises and like disasters have become a meme. Like it happened. Like I first noticed it with Flint, Michigan, when people were saying Flint doesn't have clean water to anyone, to everyone, I should say. And yes, that's true. And Flint needs our help still to this day. But I feel like the because it spread on social media and how it spread, it's become a meme. So like I feel an obligation to talk about Sudan and I do care about Sudan, but I want to do it in a way that isn't like meme. I want it to be serious. And at the same time, like my persona online is almost never serious. Um so but like I do feel an obligation to talk about it because I do think it's important and like to know what's going on. I know Patriot Act by Hassan Minhaj did a good uh cover story on that um and a lot of things on twitter are you know showing what's happening in sudan because there is like kind of a media blackout so it does have to be the people but i just feel like when it comes to you know banding together and solving human problems with social media what's happened is that a lot of it has become memed and i haven't fully thought this take out yet and i haven't fully you know art i don't know if i'm articulating what i'm saying well but It's just something I've been thinking about is like, how do I make an impact without people thinking that I'm making a joke or a meme out of this tragedy? And that's why I've been kind of cautious about talking about it on my social media. But I do think that Sudan is important right now and any help that can be provided. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know exactly how to help. Um, I don't know how much better I can do to this, but I do you know, want to, you know, raise awareness if that helps in any way. Um, and if you didn't know, Sudan is in trouble. Um, yeah. But now, now we've, now we talked about that. We're going to get into the last part, the podcast review. And the podcast review is going to be Good Christian Fun. And this is a podcast on the HeadGum Network. I'm trying to find podcasts that aren't part of the HeadGum Network or aren't part of networks in general. But Good Christian Fun was something that I've particularly avoided. Um, Not because I'm not a Christian or not because I hate Christianity or religion or all that. But I knew, and I knew this before I listened, 
that if they have guests on, they're talking about their experience with Christianity. And I don't want to hear sad stories necessarily when I'm listening to podcasts or like how they were shunned by religious people or anything like that. And like personally, like like my view of religion, I don't think is the same as your view of religion or a lot of other people's view of religion. So I don't want to hear like sad stories, but I was going to give it a go because HeadGum, you know, is a lot of comedy and all that stuff. So I'll give it a go. And sure enough, the second episode I listened to, they had the guests on. What's your experience with Christianity? Oh, some bad stuff happened from religious people. And I'm like, okay, I have to listen to this. I don't necessarily want to listen to this. Not that it's not important. These stories are important. And religion has adapted over the years and continues to adapt. So it's good to have these stories out there and they should exist. But I don't want to listen to it necessarily, right? But it's not that it's a bad conversation. I'm not saying that. The conversations are thoughtful and, you know, well put and like they come to like a meaningful, enlightened discussion at the end of the day. But it's not something I always want to listen to. I feel that way about like the Central Park Five um, documentary documentary on Netflix. Like, that's an important story. It needs to be told. It needs to exist. But I don't want to make myself angry or disturb myself all the time. So I don't want to watch it. That's how I felt, right? And then Good Christian Fun, they have two hosts, a man and a woman, and typically a guest. They go over some type of Christian pop culture. And they make fun of it. It's jokey. They have some clips of it. And it actually is pretty funny. But I will say that... um. Because there's no visual element, sometimes it is a little bit lacking. But the commentary is funny. The discussion is funny. The discussion about Christianity and religion in general is important. I don't know if they have guests from other religions on. I'm assuming they would because they seem pretty liberal and accepting. So I'm sure that other religions have been on good Christian fun before. But I don't know that for sure. Um, But it was a good, you know, enlightening episode or the episodes that I listen to it's just sometimes a lack of visual components feels a little bit lacking to me um because a lot of these like Christian pop culture things are not something that I've seen like I would say the most Christian pop culture thing that I've listened to or heard is Veggie Tales, which is overtly Christian right um but when they're reviewing these Christian pop culture things whether it's a tv show web series a book a song all that stuff I haven't really, you know, seen it before, so it doesn't have the full effect on me. Um, but I will say that it is a good conversation. The hosts are funny. They talk about, you know, religion and their own views of religion, which is not what I expected. I kind of expected it to be like, like kind of strict Christianity, but they're kind of like interpreting it in their own ways and kind of working through things in their own ways, like in real time. So... I'm actually glad that I gave Good Christian Fun a shot. There is some uncomfortable conversations that I've heard in the episodes that I listen to. But overall, there's good moments, funny moments, educational moments, and enlightening moments. So if you're open to any of that, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. I think you can find some enjoyment in this. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give Good Christian Fun 6.75 out of 10. Um, which might sound not great, but honestly, for me, that's pretty good. So you should give it a whirl. Um, but yeah, that's going to be all for this episode of What is a Podcast. Thank you to all my listeners. You are appreciated and valued. 
If you're listening for the first time, you're also appreciated and valued. Um, yeah, thank you for listening or watching on YouTube or wherever you are. Um, please be safe. Love you. Goodbye.